Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, good morning, church family. Hope it's been a good week for you and and your family. I was yesterday reviewing the week in my mind and just reminded again how just one week of life, you can have the ups and the downs, ups and downs from day to day, moment to moment, and then the, the incredible gift of the consistency of God's love for us as our anchor, and appreciate our worship team just leading us into to this reality that, that the one thing that doesn't change amidst the ups and downs is, is our Lord, who He is, and His love for us, and His unfailing love. And that would be good even now just to, to reflect, continue our, our time of worship, looking back on this past week and just reviewing in your mind God's provision and faithfulness to you, His love poured out to you, starting Easter afternoon, and uh, the good gifts that he, that he provided for you. Maybe it was time with family, moving into Monday, maybe it was a conversation at work, our job, just to have a job, his provision, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, the, the dips in the week, the times that he was there, maybe where you were having a hard time. He was faithful. Maybe it was the, uh, the good time, a time of laughter, just a, a simple time of just enjoying a gift of life that, that he, is, he gave you. Maybe watching the, uh, the Avenger movie and just a simple joy of life. Maybe it was his protection over you. We received a call from Jesse this week and, you know, was hitting an eye in the eye with a tennis ball and needing to go to the, the doctor and God's provision through Dr. Daryl and provision protecting her eye just in how God created the, the bones around her eye to catch the brunt and just praising him for watching over our loved ones in little ways. So much to be thankful for, don't we? His love is our constant and can we just go to him again in prayer and, and thank him? Father, we, uh, we often feel like those 10 lepers, the, the day you healed them and just so busy with life and on the run to the next thing. And we know that, that our gratitude matters to you. And we remember the one who stopped and just said thank you. Today, Lord, as we look back on this past week, we know that it's a universe of blessing that we experienced. None of it did we deserve. All of it came from your grace and your mercy and your love. This morning, we just want to say thank you. We want to tell you that we love you. We know it's not within a, a perfect love yet, but as much as we can, we, we want to say right now that we love you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, 
with all of our strength, with all of our body. We love you. We want to follow you. We pray for your help in doing that in these moments to come. And thank you for your word that, that uh, instructs us, your spirit that, it, that transforms us, purifies us. So do your work now, we pray. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we, uh, before we dive into the text, we do need to have a, a quick team huddle, quick uh, moment just to huddle up here as a ministry team. First, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. This theme of blessed to be a blessing really has been our pursuit this year as a church family, and we hit a moment last Sunday, which was the week before Easter. I want to thank all of you who helped love big on through Family Promise, and we had a or we'll get to Love Makes Room in just a moment. But Family Promise, um, ministry to those who are, who are struggling via um, a place to live. And appreciate Matt and Jen Drakowski leading the team. But it was neat that we were able to be a house for them leading up to, to Easter. And so appreciated everyone who was a part of that. Also, just um, we challenged us as a faith family just to be a welcoming presence on Easter Sunday, and, and you were that, and so thank you, and let's keep on. We, uh, and then Love Makes Room, uh, we are at the point, this was our, three years ago, we committed as a church family to say, let's make room for those who don't have a church home, the 80,000 in our 15-mile our radius who may not have a, a church family, and we uh, added space and did a variety of things around our campus. It was costly. It, you sacrificially gave. We committed to, here, the amount committed over a million dollars, and we said in three years, by God's grace, let's commit to pay this off, and, or to pay this amount. And as of today, with one month to go, as of June the 2nd will be the finish of our, it's the finish line, the brick. We're, we're coming around round number uh, four in the Indy 500, or turn four. We have given this much by God's grace and your, your generosity, so we're about 12,000 away from just blowing through this goal, and I think we're going to exceed it. I think we're going to stretch it, and so excited. We're going to celebrate that coming up, and looking into the, the near future, our, our, the rest of the spring and the summer, a couple exciting things. Next week, we wrap up the Believe series with a, a message that, that you're going to... Um, it's going to be an equipping message you don't want to miss. The week after, we start a series called... Royal flush, kings and queens. And we're going to go back to the Old Testament and watch some unforgettable moments where God gives power to some kings and queens. And it's not a pretty picture. And one of the things that as humans we, we, uh, <clears throat> we don't do well with is power, right? You, you, may, you think you're a wonderful person until they put you in charge. And then it's like, oh, wow. And right? Um, Someone said power, absolute power corrupts absolutely. I would disagree. I think absolute power reveals absolute corruption. Power shows us where we're broken in, it, in the impurities of our heart. And so we come away saying, okay, how do we manage power? Whether God puts you in charge of a pet at home or a family or a work environment or whatever, how do we manage power in a redemptive way? And we're going to go after that question. Is there hope? And um, follow Christ into that. So that'll be a, a, a good series. And then looking ahead into uh, June the 2nd. So you might mark your calendar. June the 2nd will be a, a celebration of celebration. We'll celebrate the Love Makes Room 
finish line and thank God for his provision for us. But we're also at Summerfest. And for us, that's our all-church picnic just to, to uh, begin this summer. We call it a, uh, we hope it's the best day of the summer, especially for kids, but kids of all ages. But we'll gather here for a special time of worship, a time to invite friends and, and neighbors. But then we'll go out, enjoy a picnic together, games, food, fun, in the, uh, on the back 40. And we're anticipating, you know, just a, a campus full of, of uh, just enjoying the gifts that God has given us and thanking him for those. But the, uh, and then the next Sunday, we launch our, as Wes mentioned, our, our uh, summer softball in Ellis Park. And this is a little taste of heaven down in Ellis Park. We'll be connected in friendship with each other. Also a great opportunity to invite friends who may not have a church home. And then uh, Brad Legan and, and the rest of his team, Brad and Michelle, they're going to be cranking up the grill. And it's, uh, you know, burgers and hot dogs all afternoon. You can almost smell the, the grill already. So great, great uh, time there. It'll also be a special summer in that that uh, I'll be beginning a 12-week sabbatical slash study break. You say, well, what, what's a sabbatical study break? It's an opportunity for, for me to get away to rest, but really refuel and rethink ministry strategy. And we'll be aimed at, at several areas, one developing in the, the, uh, the area of preaching, leading, uh, spiritual formation, and then ministry strategy for as a church family. And I've been out of seminary for about 21 years. I've been trying to keep up with ministry uh, landscape and, and all the changes. But, uh, and here at Westbridge for about 11 years, and we've been running hard. But I know that, that uh, and then also moving into a new season of life, um, getting older and uh, understanding, or one of the fears is I watch other leaders go into their 40s and 50s. Often as they continue to lead, the complexity of what they're leading causes a, a collapse, and it's a, um, Solomon said, above all else, guard your heart, for from it flow the, flows life, and making sure that, that I'm healthy inside, and the, uh, my inner world is where it needs to be, and so that, that will be part of this time, just to get away, there will be a week of solitude and prayer at the start of the sabbatical, as well as at the end of the sabbatical, really to do so, my own soul work, and where God's working in my heart, and really appreciate your prayer in that. And then throughout the, the sabbatical, I'll be able to visit um, over a dozen churches and churches that are healthy, thriving, and that we can learn from and just be um, really in learn mode. I'll be meeting with mentors. Um, our elder team has been advising, kind of to help guide this time. They're really excited for, for what the Lord will have. And so the hope is, the uh, or, or one other neat opportunity is we're about to enter empty nest as our family will be able to get away for a a time where we wanted to go out west and just go out west, explore the, you know, a part of the west together for a couple weeks there in July. And so we're so thankful for this opportunity. And our uh, Doug Wicker, who is leading our elder team, will come and, and share a little bit. But again, these guys, the elders have been advising and, and guiding through this time. And so we'll turn it over to, to Doug. should be on. It's red. It's on. We're good to go. Uh-oh. We may need us. If you uh, grab Wes's, it'll make you sound extra good, but you have to sing. <laughs> Is that all right, Brent? Good deal. <laughs> good morning. 
All right. <laughs> I have to sound good with Colin West. So, uh, as a, you know, as an elder, it is so uh, eye-opening to see all the different things that God's doing in our church all the different, all the time, and all the aches, the pains, but, but a lot of victories and, and just opportunities to serve him. And, and we as elders are so excited uh, for the opportunity that John uh, gets to have this summer and, and the church as a whole gets to have this summer as uh, John steps away and, and gets the opportunity to see uh, different ministries uh, throughout the country and throughout our, our world a little bit. And uh, so excited for that opportunity. Um, one of the things, if you know John very well, um, is that he has everything planned out to the to the nth degree. And sometimes I think, man, I don't know how Tammy does it with with him. But but, she, but he has everything planned out so well. And as an elder group, with us last Thursday, we're kind of reviewing all the different things and opportunities that that God has put in front of him. And it is so exciting uh, for us to to come alongside. The other thing that it gives uh, the church the opportunity to do is uh, for others to step up and step into things that maybe they don't or ordinarily do. Um, so as John steps away, a lot of the responsibilities that John has, uh, Tyson will be taking a lot of those opportunities. But it also gives um, so many of us, so many of the uh, various staff pastors, the opportunity to step up and step into things as well. So again, we are super excited for uh, this opportunity this summer. Thanks, Doug. And as, as we do look ahead toward the summer, it's there's excitement for what the Lord will provide, but also mixed emotion and that it's going to be hard to be away. I've been trying to prepare since last summer for this, but just a, we love you and love being with you. And so that's going to be tough. But as Doug mentioned, so grateful that God has a team in place that uh, Pastor Tyson will be preaching much of the summer as well as several other elders. And you, we are in for a, a treat. God's going to do a, a special work here through his ministry and, and their ministry. And then Tyson overseeing the staff. And then our elder team, which the elders are every bit as much pastors as are your staff pastors. And um, so grateful for them and, and their ministry and for what the Lord has. Another uh, bucket list item that this sabbatical will provide is the opportunity to shadow some of you in your jobs. And so we'd like to build that, those times into the sabbatical. So um, if, you, if you'd be all right with me tagging along with you at your work, we could call it Undercover Pastor and even run a new little show. I'll wear a GoPro. And, and uh, <laughs> I would love to tag along and see your world and see what you go through. I know sometimes I live in a you know, up on the ivory tower, and, and you're out there in the real world where, where it's hard, and I would love in that I could understand where you're coming from and what you're going through and how to better serve you in the future. So mention that on your Connect card. Some of you have already mentioned that, so would love to, to get to be with you there. And then um, I'm already looking forward to August 27th. I'll, my final time here will be that second August, or June 2nd, and then I'll be a Sabbatical starts June 3rd, but August 27th will be my first day back in the office, and then get to share with you what God gave us on Labor Day Sunday. Labor Day and the first Sunday in January are our days of prayer, and it'll be a special day of prayer and also praise, and we'll report back to you the things that, that we learned and excited. Hopefully, it'll be an encouragement to you as well. And then the uh, following Sunday, September 8th, is our Vision Sunday, and we've been praying and processing through our theme for the next year, and I can't 
wait to share with you what the theme is and then chase that together this coming ministry year. And I know it always, we always feel like it's going to be the best yet, but I can't help but think this, this coming year, should, should the Lord not return, will be one of the highlights for the, the, in the history of our, our church family. So excited for what's coming. Well, to the text today. If we were to sum up John's message, the reason he wrote the 21 chapters in this account of the life of Christ with one word, what would that word be? And little clue up on the screen, it would be that simple word, believe. I picture the scene in the Polar Express. Remember when the train conductor is uh, clicking out the uh, ticket with this hole punch? And then he pulls it up, and it's that gold ticket, believe. We say, believe what? And we see it there in the, uh, the purpose statement of the book in John chapter 20, verse 30. Where John writes, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe. Believe what? That Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And so John, through the book of, throughout this account, is really just planting sign after sign after sign that this is the one. He is the Messiah who came to take away our sin. He is the Son of God. Believe him. Trust him with your life. And last week we were at the sign of signs. I I don't know if you were this week just basking in the the joy of the resurrection. Even this morning I was rethinking the the big truth that when God breaks the script, (laughs) when God breaks the script, yeah, John standing in the tomb and boom, breaks the script. Mary crying outside the tomb, boom the resurrection, and then the disciples lock that door with fear. Boom. He breaks the script. Jesus is alive. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything such that John could have just dropped the pen right there and closed his book, right? But aren't you thankful, and I'm so grateful, that he didn't stop with where he stopped last week. He tells us one more story about the guy who missed Easter. The guy who wasn't present on Easter morning. And who is that guy? We we read about him there in John chapter 20, verse 24. It was Thomas. It says, now Thomas, also known as Didymus. Thomas is the Greek word Didymus, or I'm sorry, Thomas is the Aramaic word Didymus, the Greek for what means twin. They both mean the same thing. Any twins in the house can identify with with Thomas here, but he's a twin. And he says... uh, Thomas, um, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Now, why wasn't Thomas there? We don't know for sure, but good chance Thomas is opting to grieve alone. We know that uh, there's two other places he shows up in John's gospel, and he seems, scholars seem to think he's the Eeyore of the group. And nothing wrong with with being Eeyore, but, but he tends to see the gloomy side of life. But in his gloominess, he is committed, he is courageous. He's the guy that, remember when Jesus told the disciples, let's go back to Lazarus' place, well, back to Judah. Well, they had just left Lazarus' place under the threat of being stoned. And the other guys are like, how about we not go back to that place where we could be stoned? And who's the guy who pipes up and says, let's go? It's Thomas. But do you remember what Thomas says when he says, let's go? John chapter 11, he's like, let's go, guys. Let's go die with him. It's over. We're dead. Let's go die. I knew it. We're, we're going to, you get the kind of the, the gloomy feel. And then in uh, 
chapter 14 where uh, Jesus is saying, you know, I've prepared this place for you in this wonderful place, and you know where I'm going. And it's Thomas who pipes up and says what everyone else is probably thinking. We don't know the way. How are we going to get there? And he's, if you do the Enneagram, he's probably a five on the Enneagram, needs data, needs, he's like, how, how, how? Kind of seeing the gloomy side of life. And so you, you almost have to think that uh, when Thomas is feeling the pain of the cross and, and seeing what happened, he's like, guys, I'm not getting together. I don't feel like getting together. I don't feel like being with people right now. I'm hurting. I'm just going to stay here in my place. You guys get, go ahead and gather. But I'm, I'm hurting, and uh, I'm going to opt to grieve alone. So reading on, it says, So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands. This is the only time we see the word nail in uh, re- referencing the, the crucifixion of Christ in the New Testament. It's vivid in his mind. It says, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and I put my finger where the nails were, and my hands in his side, I will not believe. So what do we learn about Thomas right here, about his personality? He is not an easy sell. (laughs) He is anything but wishy-washy, gullible. You're not going to find Thomas picking up the phone saying, I'll take one of those for uh, 1-800, take one of those for $19.99, and I'll have the free one too. He's not going to buy easy. On the positive side, he's a man of deep conviction. On the negative side, he can be downright stubborn. Can you just see this scene playing out? What's neat is the disciples go to him. They're like, Thomas, we saw the Lord. These are like brothers to him, family. All 10 of them. It's not like three of them, five of them. All 10 of them were like, Thomas, I saw him. I saw him. I saw him. I saw him. And he's like, Mm-mm. I don't care what you saw. I don't care what you're saying. I'm not believing. And can you imagine the leader, Peter, just like, Thomas, why would we lie to you? Like, why? Don't care. Not believing. And I, I can just see Peter just shaking his head like, Let's go, guys. This guy's dug in, stubborn, not believing. So what happens? Well, we pick it up, verse 26. A week later, so the next Sunday, the next resurrection day, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. Notice last week the door, or last week we previously the doors were locked, and he included for fear of the Jews. The doors are still locked, but now we can surmise it's wisdom's sake, right? We need to stay alive, be wise to do this. Fear's not in the house. Maybe this is what John's saying. But uh, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe, or be not unbelieving and believe, be believing, and Thomas responds to him. This is really the point of the entire gospel. This is, this is what faith looks like when it's, um, this is what believing looks like as we confess it, our, our trust in the Lord. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Why does God preserve this moment for us? And I can't help but think that he 
has John write these moments, um, share this account for us, because he knows that we will all go through a, a season of doubt or a valley of doubt. It's as if Thomas looks at us in, in this moment and he says, okay, when you come to your valley, your season of doubt, wondering, can I trust God? Can I trust his promise? Can I trust his goodness? It's a, maybe a, a circumstance for Thomas. It was the agony of Friday and seeing the crucifixion and um, shook, his da- shook his faith to the core. When you come to that moment, Thomas looks at us and says, now trail me, trail me, follow me. Um, there's some truth in this text that, that will help you through your own valley of doubt. We know the enemy of our soul is always seeking to, to mess with our head with the lies to help us or, or to tempt us not to believe the truth about who God is, what he's told us, and, uh, and doubt often leads us into despair. As I was preparing for this message, I was, it hit me hard again just thinking about that, like every one of us in this room are going to come to this valley of doubt. Not one of us will, uh, will make it through life without seasons of doubt. It's, it's through the valley of doubt that our faith grows, but, but we must get through the valley. And the question is, are you ready? And as we come to this truth, this is a, a truth that's, that's crucial to take with us for the rest of our lives. Are you ready for the moment that you're facing a big doubt? Or, a, or there are big doubts, there are, there are daily doubts, smaller doubts, but it can be a dark, deep, and dangerous valley to walk through. I was thinking of a, uh, a letter that I've kept on file just to remind me of this importance. It came from the, uh, or it's an email from a student who was in our student ministry in, in Wisconsin, and she was a student leader, fired up for the Lord, a good family, and uh, she says, I Last summer, I was a camp counselor at Timberley, a camp similar to our Twin Lakes. And she said, going into it was a high point in my faith because I I made some awesome Christian friends at at the college that she was in and was part of Campus Crusade for Christ and everything. And so she thought that Timberley would be awesome. She said, well, it didn't turn out so great. I feel like it ruined my relationship with God. I don't... Don't exactly know when it happened. I can't give a certain time or date because, but I became so disappointed at the hypocrisy of fellow Christians and Christian organizations that summer that it tainted my view of God. And she goes on just to explain how, um, summing it up, she says, Christians are supposed to love everyone. And she just experienced some some non-love going on. And then she says, where are all the real Christians? And she says, what happened to me? Help, I don't know. Um, how to listen to a sermon without a voice in the back of my head saying, what does this guy know anyway? Does he even believe what he's preaching? Does he even follow what he's preaching? Probably not. And that is what plays in my mind. As I read this, and she's asking for her old youth pastor help, how does she get through that valley? That's a dark, dark place for her to be. How do you get through your valley when you come to it? And, and I was thinking about my own life. We've all had those, those big moments like this moment. But there's also those daily moments. Even I, I, almost every week, I feel like I have a, a crisis of faith. Am I going to trust God to carry this moment? I get all scared. Ah! It's a valley, isn't it? What I love about this text 
words. This is a gift from the Lord to us. Where, where Thomas is saying, this, Thomas, this one who's dug in, who, who's stubborn, who's not an easy sell, who, who was in a deep, dark valley, he's saying, trail me, trail me, trail me. I'll show you the way. Trail me. And so it's as if he's, he gives us three um, things, we'll, we'll, or we'll put it in three ways that, that Thomas says. First, I'll, I'll say them, and then we'll, we'll work through them. First is, do what I did, see what I saw, say what I said. Thomas says, when you're in your valley, do what I did, see what I saw, say what I said. First, do what I did. What did Thomas do? First move to make. Do what I did, get to the gathering. I think it's significant that in verse 24, it says Thomas was not with the disciples. And then in verse 26, a week later, he is with the disciples, the gathering of Jesus' followers. When doubt has you down and despairing, the first move is to get to the gathering, to go to be with people who are are followers of Christ. Someone has said the most dangerous place to be is alone in our own thoughts, when Thomas rejoined the disciples the next Sunday, was he believing in the resurrection? No. He, he still had his doubts, but he was there, doubts and all. It's in the context of community, as the church gathers, that Jesus reveals himself to Thomas and grows his faith. Why didn't Jesus show up to Thomas when he was alone by himself in his own room grieving? He could have, and he does at times, and he meets with us, you know, wherever we are. But I think there's a truth here that we see unpacked through the rest of the New Testament. I think he's wanting to teach Thomas and teach us something. It's so important, especially important for those of us in the Western culture who tend to think individualistically. He's saying, Thomas, you are a part of a living organism, my body, the church. The church is not a place. It's it's my body. It's my presence here. You're a member of it. And the way your faith is going to grow is connecting with the other members. So when you doubt and when you're struggling with your faith, the one place you must run is the gathering. Get to the gathering. Get to the gathering. Get to the gathering. The ecclesia. Because it's in the gathering, I will show up and give you what you need. How many times in your own faith journey have you gathered, didn't feel like coming to the gathering, but you gather, whether it's here on Sunday morning with your small group, and God gives you just what you need. And it's hard to quantify, but it's how he he works, isn't it? I was listening to a, a fitness trainer a couple weeks at Ro- ago at Rotary, and this guy's done fitness for over a couple decades. I mean, he's a guru. He runs fitness gyms. He's, he's like, guys, I'm going to give you nine essentials to staying fit. So I broke, broke out my, my uh, phone, man. I'm ready. Nine essentials. He's going to give us the first four. So I break out the phone. Ready? First one, drink lots of water. Second one, eat lots of fruit. Third one, eat lots of vegetables. Fourth one, take a 30-minute walk every day. What? I know that. He's got the question, am I doing it? The secret to fitness is in the habit. And then I'm like, all right, Lord. (laughs) What do we talk about here is 
How do you stay fit as a Jesus follower? Five habits. What's the first habit? Show up on Sunday. Why? It's right here. When do we start to drift? When we start to drift from the gathering, what happens to our faith? It's going to get weak, right? But when we commit, and it's not a, hey, I'm going to do this for six months, or I'm going to show up once a month. It's like, I'm going to do this till the day I die. When the, the gathering gets together on Resurrection Sunday, I'm there. Man, and you talk about a gift to toss, pass on to your family. I drove, I drove by the high school one uh, Sunday. It was, for whatever reason, it was later in the day. Was, I don't know how... But anyway, I was Sunday morning when we were gathering, and the high school parking lot was full of cars. I think it was for whatever event, but it was a sports event. And do you know the first thing that came to my mind? What does it profit you to gain the whole world and lose your soul? And, and parents, you know, and, and I know it's hard. We were in that tension, travel, sports, and all those things. But my son... Has he played much soccer after high school? Done. My daughter just got done with her volleyball. Is she ever going to play volleyball again competitively? No. But her soul is eternal. What's a profit to gain the whole world? Lose your soul. Show up on Sunday, right? Commit to it. If you're a coach, man, it'd be cool if we change culture. We said when we uh, came 11 years ago, let's change the driving patterns on this, uh, in this county and Let's, uh, let's let cars be coming up and down Mackey Road so they have to repave it. What if we change the, the way we spend our time in this culture? Hendricks County, you can't get a Sunday morning sports tournament there because a bunch of people want to show up at the gathering. Does, do we get brownie points for showing up? No, but it's, it's faith grows when we gather. And if the church gathers on Sunday, I'm going to be there. All right. So, cool deal, though. Uh-oh. Holy cow, we're out of time. <laughs> cool deal. Isn't it neat how I can imagine a couple of disciples going, where's Thomas? And they go get him. Who around you, if you notice somebody not showing up at the gathering, we don't go after them. Hey, where have you been? Or judgmental, but let's go help them. They might be in the valley of doubt, you know? Let's go help them. Two most important books in the, out there. I just heard this this week, and it stuck. The first one is the Bible. What's the second one? It's the church directory. That's good. Two most important books out there, the Bible and the church directory, caring for our team. Second thing that Thomas gives us is, uh, so do what I did, get to the gathering. Second, see what I saw, the scars of our risen Savior. When we're in our moments of doubt, the big question is, God, do you care? Do you care? Do you care for what I'm going through? Um, it's a circumstance that shakes our faith, or maybe we see someone who failed and it, it, it's rocked our faith. Do you care? And I love it how through Thomas we can look through his eyes, and Jesus is really calling all of us in our moments of doubt to see what Thomas saw, his scars. Yes, he cares. In those moments when it seems like chaos and evil is winning the day he cares but what else do those scars tell us he is powerful to heal 
and redeem our hurts, our pains, our scars, our those things in our life that are, that are aching. One day those will be fully healed. So see what I saw and believe. And that leads us to, uh, or, or just pausing right here, as we think about doubt, and really what we do every Sunday is, is to come back and fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. To see him crucified, but to see him alive. He is, he is not on the cross still, nor is he in the tomb. He is alive and well. And so we see, as Thomas would say, see what I saw, the scars of my risen Savior. And then last, he, uh, Thomas says, now do what, I do, do what I did, see what I saw. And now we come to the pinnacle, really, of, of why John wrote this book. Say what I said. And here we see Thomas's confession, my Lord and my God. Say what I said. As Jesus invites Thomas to, to put his hand in the scars, Thomas doesn't even need to do that. He just responds, confessing his faith, my Lord and my God. And when he says, my Lord, he's saying, I will follow you wherever. You are my master. And when he says, my God, he's saying, I, I will trust you with my life. You know, when we're in that valley, we get to the gathering, we fix our eyes on Jesus, we lock in on him, but then we confess our faith in him. And Jesus, there's a moment in our lives where we hear Jesus say, stop doubting and believe. He's given us enough evidence. We have evidence as we seek him. And then he just, so now's the time. Confess your faith. I think what a great thing to say. We say this when we start our faith journey. Today we're welcoming Javen Calvert. And Javen was in middle school when he first understood the gospel and confessed his sin to the Lord and, and confessed that, Jesus, you are Lord and, and you are my God and, and wanted to begin following him. And, and um, he's joining our church family. Neat opportunity we have to come alongside him. And God's given him a heart for helping elderly people who are going through a season of, of being shut in to, to minister to them. So there are, there's that first moment. Maybe today that's you or for the first time that you will confess your faith and trust Christ as your Savior. Say, Jesus, I believe you're Lord and, and you are my God. But there's, this is also a confession that we can make often, especially when we're coming up out of the, those, the valley of doubt, just to kneel before the Lord again, to see him as our risen Savior, but then to say, my Lord and my God, I surrender my life to you all over again. And I trust you as my God. I trust you in this moment. I love the way uh, the text ends here where he, uh, Jesus looks past Thomas to us. And he says in verse 29, then Jesus told him, because you have believed in, you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet they have believed even though we haven't seen Jesus visibly, our faith is just as real and his blessing on our lives is just as certain as what Thomas experienced. And what is the blessing that, that we get? And John says it. Those who believe will have what? Life. And what, what he describes as life, we know, is not just e it's eternal life, but eternal life meaning a life lived in, 
intimacy with, with our life giver, with our creator. And it's a kind of life that we can experience right now. You know, when you're in the valley of doubt, what's life like? If you notice, energy is gone, fear is present, it's hard, right? But when you are living by faith and, and confessing, you are my Lord, you are my God, what's life like? It's good. But we have the peace that he promises. We have the joy. We have the hope. It's not easy. We, we will still go through the, the hard times, but as we go through those hard times, we go through them with the risen Savior. Not in doubt, but believing. And so the question for us today, will you believe? Will you believe? When in doubt, trail Thomas. Do what I did. See what I saw, say what I said. Do what I did. See what I said, say what I saw. Be a fun thing to say. How fast can we say that around the dinner table today? But more importantly, will we take this truth with us? What a gift God has given us. Do what I did. Get to the gathering. Get to the gathering. Get to the gathering. See what I saw, the scars of my risen Savior, and do what I, and say what I said. My Lord and my God, my Lord and my God, I trust you. So whatever happened to Thomas? Well, church legend has it that it was Thomas that was with the 12 there, or the 11, or yeah, eventually the 12 again, at uh, Acts 22. 242 with the gathering where you read the word, they, were, they got together around the apostles' teaching. They were together, 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 but then persecution breaks out. The church gets scattered, and Thomas was the guy who took the gospel, the message of Jesus, to India. Legend also has it, he, was, he died with a spear. And if that is the case, fitting that uh, he didn't budge. Didn't budge to, to leave his life there in Jerusalem, nor did he budge when the, the spear was coming his way. Why? Walking by faith. Walking by faith in the one, his Lord and his God. And so what will your story be and my story be? And by God's grace, it will be one marked by faith. As we take this truth, trail Thomas up out of the valley of doubt. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. Thank you for the faith that you've given us. We pray as we cooperate with you in, in growing our faith that you would let this truth be a truth that we carry with us. I pray for those of my brothers and sisters here today that are in that valley of doubt, that you would just strengthen them, even in these moments. We love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.